This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. Today I'm going to be looking at some famous verses in the first chapter of Genesis about the creation of human beings and talk about what it means to be made in the image of God from a non-dual perspective. First, it should be noted that according to this first creation account in the Bible, the God Elohim created all things and creatures, including humans, simply by speaking them into existence. This is significant because in other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts, the heavens and the earth and the living creatures are formed by other means, usually violence or sex, But the Hebrew account has the deity simply speaking the universe into existence. Elohim created by means of words. All things are essentially words of God. All creation is the word of God, which is how we are to understand the opening words of John's Gospel, which is intentionally supposed to echo the opening words of Genesis, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this word, logos, in Greek is then, in this prologue of John, explained to be the eternal Christ. And it says, Everything was made through him, without him nothing was made that was made. In other words, John is saying that everything is divine word. Everything is holy. That is what the author of the Genesis count is saying when he said when he declares everything is good. And at the end of the score at the story declares everything is very good. I wrote a blog recently entitled Everything is Holy Now. That title comes from a song entitled Holy Now by Peter Mayer. I wish I could sing it, but I can't, so I'll, <clears throat> I'll simply recite the, the lyrics. The opening stanza says, When I was a boy, each week, on Sunday we would go to church and pay attention to the priest. He would read the Holy Word and consecrate the Holy Bread, and everyone would kneel and bow. Today the only difference is, everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. That is what this creation count is saying. Now, when I wrote that blog post, I got some pushback about it from a longtime friend of mine who has become a fundamentalist. He replied, if everything is holy, nothing is holy. That is a dualistic way of seeing, believing that the holy can only exist as distinguished from unholy. I responded to him, 
If everything is not holy, nothing is holy. The Genesis account is saying clearly that all things are words of God and good. Very good. Everything is an expression of God's holy being and nature in goodness. Instead of simply speaking the world into existence, we might even imagine God singing the world into existence. We could call the physical world the song of God. The universe is a song. It is the original psalm, the original scripture, the original revelation of God long before there were humans or human language or writings and books. If you want to know God, all you have to do is look all around you. God is continually communicating through all things. Looking at it another way, we could say that the physical uni universe is no more real than words. Now, in what sense can we say that words that we speak are real? They are simply vibrations in the air. They have vibrations created by our mouths, received by other ears, and understood by, by our brains. They're nothing more than vibrations. So is the universe, Genesis is saying. And physicists agree. They tell us that universe is nothing more than vibrations. This is the heart of the biblical creation story. God speaks and the universe is. God simply says, let there be, and there is. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a firmament. Let there be the moon, and the stars, and living creatures. Everything is the expression of God, ideas of God expressed in words, finding form in time and space. In other words, everything is divine. Everything is holy, including humans. According to the story, after the Hebrew god Elohim created land animals on the sixth day, he finally got around to making humans. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God who created him, male and female, he created them. We are made in the image of God. That statement of scripture has prompted centuries of speculation as to exactly what it means to be made in the image of, of God. Exactly what is the image of God? Some say it is the rational mind. Some say it is the immortal soul. Some say it is the, a divine spark in us. Some say it simply means that the ancient Hebrews pictured God as having human form. Kind of like Michelangelo's depiction of God on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. God is an old white guy with a beard. The Greek philosopher Xenophanes said, the Ethiopes say that their gods are flat-nosed and black, while the Thracians say that theirs have blue eyes and red hair. Yet, 
If cattle or horses or lions had hands and could draw and could sculpt like men, then the horses would draw their gods like horses and cattle like cattle. In each they would shape bodies of gods in the likeness, each kind, of their own. Perhaps that is what it means to say that God made man in his own image and likeness. Perhaps it mean, really simply means that men have made God in their own image. As Voltaire said, in the beginning God created man in his image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. But I think there is a profounder truth here, and the truth is found in the meaning of the Hebrew word for image. I am no Hebrew scholar. I could have been. There was a time when I could sit down and translate a page of Hebrew with no problem. I knew Hebrew well enough to be admitted into the Ph.D. program in Old Testament, but I transferred out of that program into a Doctor of Ministry program. I have since then forgotten nearly everything I have known about Hebrew, but I still remember how to use a lexicon. And the Hebrew word translated here image is selim. It's from the root meaning to shade, a phantom, illusion. According to Gesenius's Hebrew Chaldee lexicon, which for a long time was the chief scholarly authority, the first definition of this word is a shadow. When the creation story says that humans were made in the image of God, it is saying that we are the shadow of God. And you can imagine how that word would come to mean image because our shadow is a sort of image of us. You know, we just came back from Florida and one of the things my wife likes to do is take a picture of her and my and me our shadow, take a picture of our shadows as it's cast upon the sand on the beach. And you can tell it's us. It's a very, not very good image, but it is our image. Now think about what the translation of Selim as shadow means for a moment. It's picturing God as the real, and we are the shadow of the real. And this makes me immediately think of Plato's allegory of the cave, which says that we are not what we think we are, and the world is not what we think it is. That everything, including us, are simply shadows of the real. Images of the real. You look in the mirror and you know that the image in the mirror is not you. It's a reflection of you. It's the image of you. We are the reflection of God. Zen talks about people mistaking the reflection of the moon in a bucket of water for the moon itself. We are the reflection of God, reflections of the real. We are the shadow of God. To say we are made in the image of God is a metaphorical way of saying that we have no substance, that we are illusion and yet what we what we are is a a shadow of what is of what is real and this real that we are our shadow of is what we really are the real is our true nature the seemingly two the shadow 
and the real are seen really as one, that there's only one, non-dual. At the entrance to the Delphic Oracle was the inscription, Know Thyself. When we do self-inquiry and investigate what we really are, then we see what's behind the shadow. We see what the shadow points to, and we turn to it. We turn to the light. We emerge from Plato's cave into the light, where there are no shadows, only the one reality. We are the image of God when we know what we are deeply and thoroughly. That is spiritual awakening. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.